Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 36, Romance and Games, recorded Thursday, February 20th of 2014, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Brandon. And... Wow. I have nothing. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere and that failed. Well, that's the episode, guys. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. It's yeah, been thanks, a, good night. a really short yeah. episode. <laughs> See you later. No, actually, uh, less nothing and more a uh, brain fart because there's a couple of things I did want to bring up real quick. But Peter, you have some really big news, so you go first. I am a published author. Hooray! Congratulations. Yeah, I got my short story published in the Sojourn anthology that was put out by Fear the Boot. Uh, it is now available in digital form on Amazon. should be coming out in physical form at some point in the fairly near future. Don't really have a whole lot to say other than I'm really proud, and if you're interested in seeing what my fiction looks like, go get it and read it. It's available in Kindle edition right now. By the time this drops or soon thereafter, there should be a physical copy available. Yeah, and the story that I wrote takes place in the Lantern Night setting that we ran a game in very briefly. So if you're at all interested in that, it's about all that exists out there right now. Yeah, and I'll link to it in the show notes if you're curious. I wanted to plug something else as well. If you have not seen Frozen yet, you should go see it because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I still uh, haven't. I need to. It's really I good. S- I saw Frozen. Who am I kidding? I'll probably wait and see it on DVD because my wife doesn't go for the theater experience. <laughs> That's but fair. Chrissy and I saw it as a date and we really enjoyed it. I. I knew it was supposed to be pretty good. I'd heard a lot of people saying, oh, it was really good. The music is, in fact, exceptional. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. Ryan Humphrey, the guy who wrote the music that we use for our intro and outro, he helped contribute in a very small way to that music. Oh, very cool. Awesome. He was an assistant to one of the orchestrators. He didn't actually contribute to the final sound, but he was the guy kind of working behind the scenes to make sure that those people who did had everything they needed and everything was set up and ready to go. So that's really uh, fantastic. Yeah. So Ryan, good job. Sounds great. Even though you didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was involved. That's what matters. He was right? involved and it's awesome. So good work, Ryan. And it really is a good movie. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to stop listening to the soundtrack for a couple of days after I saw it. So I, I have repeatedly listened to and sung Let It Go. Yeah. Which it's really good. It's, it's a really awesome song. And you guys are going to send me to Spotify after this is over, aren't you? You know, I would say see the movie first because the yeah. meaning of some of the songs, they have a real impact once you have seen the movie. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And, and also Let It Go, which is the, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, which is the main. Kind of, kind of the flagship song, if that. I don't, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. It's the breakout song. It really does require you to know what has happened kind of before, because it explains very briefly, but also if you don't see it happens before, then it spoils basically what happens before. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not that it's 100%, oh my gosh, I never expected that, but it's... There are some spoilers in the soundtrack, yeah. But it's, it's really good, and the movie, actually, I'm going to talk about it some tonight when we talk about our main topic, which is romance. I'll probably come right back at you, good. because I love the movie too, and I love most of the songs. There's only like one song I think that I didn't really care for. Yeah, uh, and... Some of the things that Frozen did with the traditional Disney romance story, I really liked, and I want to bring those up. All right. On that note, we should get into our scripture, but first I want to remind everybody that we are on Facebook, Google+, and Twitter, 
And if you are not following us on those, go ahead and find us there. You can find all the links to that on savingthegamepodcast.org. We're, of course, syndicated through Inroad Ministries as well. Come check us out there. Share any episodes you like. Feel free to contact us and join our Saving the Game Google Plus community because there's cool people there who say awesome things. All right. Scripture. This is our Old Testament scripture tonight. This is from Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the last bit of scripture we've got is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8-9. through 9. Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, It is better for them to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So our main topic tonight is romance, romance in games, which is going to be an interesting topic for a couple of reasons, not least because neither Peter nor I have a lot of experience with this firsthand in games we've run. And I have major experience with this firsthand in games I've run all over the place. In fact, I think the second roleplay I was ever in had a romance in it that I was involved in. Yeah, but I wanted to bring it up because... One of the first things I put in the outline when we were kind of trying to come up with ideas was, you know, this is a really neglected source of motivation and plot and color and everything else. And I'm looking at it going, you know, it's really funny that I'm writing this down because, yes, yes, it is in my games. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's part of the reason why I've always gone to it. It's a great source of drama. I've done online roleplay for a whole lot of time, and there was nothing that got drama more up than romance, marriages, childbirth, things like that in roleplay. Two characters get together and they have a kid, and then all of a sudden there's a whole bunch more issues. And it drives people a whole lot more than many other things. If your characters don't have problems, you don't have a game. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Should we get into some of the specific benefits then? Or Sure. Sure, why not? Okay, so obviously these are fairly similar in the real world as they would be in a game. I actually went through and broke some of these out myself as I was preparing for this because I don't have a lot of firsthand experience, so taking things from a little bit more of an intellectual bent helped me here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one that I came up with was companionship, why you would be motivated by romance. Someone to do fun stuff with, someone to do boring stuff with, (laughs) and also, and I think Grant in particular, you'll appreciate this last one, as an introvert, someone who doesn't count as people yes and if you don't understand what someone who doesn't count as people means congratulations you're an extrovert (laughs) (laughs) uh yes i I believe you're you're completely right in a role-playing setting companionship sometimes isn't as big a deal because in a lot of role-playing groups a you're around friends and b you're around friends who should be playing people who are kind of friends with you at least on some level well and the adventuring party is nothing if not a group mm-hmm. of companions now yes. they might bicker and stuff yes. but no adventuring parties are the ultimate bromance mm-hmm. so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How so that is put. <laughs> <laughs> that is a little bit downplayed but having someone who this is someone that you care about this is someone that they've got hooks into in the first monster hearts game that i ever played i had a girlfriend and the one thing I had is I would do anything to defend her 
so long as we were in a relationship. Because I was playing the angel. I had saved up the power for a miracle because I was going to go and I was going to, like, destroy the house Mm -hmm. of the big bad. And the big bad did something that threatened the girlfriend. So all of a sudden, I had something that I had to go out and do. And it just made me hate the big bad more because of this completely other thing that came up. Yeah, it's worth remembering that we've got a a whole list of good, solid, logical reasons for people to get in romantic relationships and include a romantic relationship as a character motivation. Love is perhaps the least rational of them, but in many ways the most powerful. (laughs) It happens. Yes. There's no, well, I'm going to say there's not a thought-out reason for it. It's logical in the same way that, oh yeah, these things clearly go together, at least in most cases it is. But it's not something where you sit down and go, hmm, yeah, I think this will do. It just, it's it's how it goes. You don't generally go into relationships like you go into a frozen vegetables purchase. Right, exactly. (laughs) And it's okay, I think, to have characters in your games who have relationships like that, where it's just like, why are you two together? You know, it seems to work. All right, good enough. Well, opposites attract and it can be someone who... Well, okay, uh, the opposites attract thing, it's one of those things that isn't that true. There are things where you kind of want to be complimentary. Oh, yeah. There there can be things where you disagree. Grant, what's that quote that Chrissy, your wife, said in the that one discussion? Everybody has baggage. The important thing is finding a match set or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, that might have been it. I thought that was just a brilliant thing that she said that one time. it's very true. And you're absolutely right about the complimentary. That's actually what I was going to drive at. Sometimes there could be people who, well, I like this person and I have these feelings for this person and I'm attracted to this person because they fulfill things that I don't have. Yeah. Uh, This person is strong when I'm weak. This person is funny when I'm sad. This person is the yin to my yang and we just fit perfectly together because whenever I'm struggling, they lift me up and whenever they need help, I am there for them. Right. And that's some of the most wonderful romances that you can see in stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Or in real life. Yes. Notably, my parents have a relationship like that. Yeah. Which was really nice to watch when I was growing up. Just saying. Yeah. (laughs) I I would say that in many ways, that's a relationship that my wife and I have, where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, she can handle that when I can't, and I can handle something she can't, and it works out. You know, Chrissy's always happy that she married someone who can fix her computer for her, and I'm happy I married someone who has all the common sense I lack, so (laughs) there we go. I'm very happy that I married somebody who can sew buttons on things when I tear them off because I'm an ungraceful clod. This is why I think that you guys still have a whole lot to say on this topic, even if you've never had romance or long-term romance in your games, because you had it in life. And I am currently single bachelor man, and therefore I haven't ever experienced getting married and spending years with a woman who I care for. My longest relationship was two years and that just ended we're probably gonna gush over our significant others oh yeah and i apologize to everybody listening has not even begun (laughs) but let's get back to our topic all right and we've hit on some of these already helpmates yeah particularly helpful Uh, confidants are really nice and all right yes we're a clean podcast but we got to bring it up a healthy sexual relationship is part of romance and the desire to have children and things like that and yeah You mentioned confidant and helpmate, and as I was mentioning with in-game things, someone being a confidant goes two ways. You're RPing with the DM, and it's a great way for the DM to drop little hints. 
that your character just missed out on. Yeah. When your wife or your husband comes in and goes, hey, you were telling me that this guy said this, like, five months ago, and now you found this. Do you think those two could be related? Yeah. And all of a sudden, wow, well, I just have a connection. And then they get to go and do something and, and also come in and help. Like, if you need assistance or, like, someone who needs to heal or take care of you, well, we've got NPCs for that. And I just so happen to be in a relationship with one. Even without all those, it helps round out your character because your character then has someone else that he cares about. There was a quote I heard once, to have children is to permanently walk around the world with your heart outside your body. Yeah. And that kind of goes for being in a relationship because you're investing some of your heart, some of your who you are in this other person. Yeah. I am who I am because I love this person. And if this person is harmed, I am the lesser. Yeah. It even goes a little beyond that. It's I am who I am because this other person who loves me has influenced me, sometimes pushed me to be a better version of myself. And because I love them, I have gone along with it and I am better for the yeah. effort. C.S. Lewis says, or, maybe that's just me and my wife. I don't know. She's Well, no, C.S. Lewis has something where he's talking about forgiveness and love in mere christianity i think we actually brought it up in the forgiveness episode in the the section of mere christianity that i read love meaning that you wish for the betterment of the thing that you're loving that's what love is wanting to yes. uplift and improve that thing because that's wonderful and that's that's very true mm -hmm. and it's a good motivation for characters and i think including that as a a very real sort of romance and love as opposed to just lust makes it much more interesting and makes the character more vulnerable but in some ways stronger as well if you have a character and you just are in lust with someone they're not going to provide much of any benefit really yeah to the story like oh you know the the barmaid that i just slept with in the upstairs tavern who i don't even know her name was just killed man Let's go on. Yeah. That sort of thing. Quick little side note. This disparity is one of the reasons why I tend to like country love songs more than rock ones. <laughs> because they're actually about love and country, and it's not so much the case in I rock and really pop. thought country was all about the object of the love leaving. Yeah, random country joke. Uh, <laughs> with the dog in the truck. I could point you at a few songs to refute that, but that would turn into a side conversation and we need to stay on topic. Fair enough. So, back on topic. We've gone on about why love is so awesome and so amazing and you should always have it in your games. Well, or, or you should consider at least having it in your I've games. gone on for about half an hour about why it's nice in real life. Okay, alright. I've been talking about the benefits of having it in the games. Why do people not have it in games? Because it's icky. Here's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Grant, I'm going to use our Friday Night Savage Run game as an example. As you should, sir. There are four people in that game. Mm -hmm. There's the GM, Grant, the GM's wife, Chrissy, me, and a mutual friend of ours. In what way would it be in any way not uncomfortable to have any two of those player characters become romantically involved? And I will save you the time of answering, in no way, sir. <laughs> There is no combination there that would work at all. <laughs> that's true, and that's something that you have to get into, is the fact that players have to be comfortable being in relationships with each other in this fake setting. And there are many people who aren't comfortable. Yeah. I've done online roleplay. Some of the people I've been online roleplay with have been in relationships, have been married, and there has still been RP relationships between me and this other person, because it's a story we're telling. 
I'm really good friends with one of the such people, and we can no longer RP because there was another person who kept trying to push that limit with her, and she couldn't take it, and so everything had to stop. Yep. So as long as everyone is respectful of the nature, I could roleplay a romance with you, Peter, and you might be a little creeped out by it, but depending on how well we did it and how much we talked and how much we actually went into it, I don't have to actually love you or have there be that kind of feelings, but instead we're telling a story. Yeah, see, I'm not as good at creating that particular kind of divide, so no, you couldn't. You might be capable of it, I would not be. And that's actually something I've noticed about you. You don't divide between you and characters very well. And I think that's something that's required to really do this in a healthy way. You've got to be able to say, this is where my character stops and this is where I begin. Yeah, I will be the first to admit that the player characters that I create tend to be myself, and then I exaggerate a couple of traits and diminish some other yeah. ones, but it's still a warped or idealized version of me in there. Yeah. In the Savage Run game, you're trying to play a career criminal, and the first run ended with you getting an honest job. <laughs> no, it didn't end that way. That happened towards the beginning of it. And he went in and worked a shift because that was the best way to case the plays. No, it was because you felt bad not doing a day's hard labor and getting paid for it. You dragged the other career criminal in the group into working an honest day's job with you. And now it has turned into an awesome running joke in the game, so I feel very vindicated. It's a wonderful running joke. I'm delighted that it happened, but I'm just saying, this is what you do, all right? Yeah. This is one of the things I've actually been working on over the past couple of years is creating a bigger divide between me and my characters in some ways. My L5R character is a little bit further from me personally, but yeah, Frost is yeah. is pretty much you. me with the serial numbers filed off. This is a piece of information that I know I have heard elsewhere, but sometimes it's easier when you're doing it with the GM, who wears a whole bunch of different hats. They aren't as real and as fully developed a character, so it's a safer connection, I think, because mm -hmm. it's a more idealized and less real and difficult relationship i would say i yes. see your valid philosophical point and raise you real world squickedness okay well and peter i have a question for you because in our game that we were going to run i had a character who had a romance connection written into the story and we were going to end up going towards that place it was questionable whether or not the, the romance connection was going to come with us or not. but there was definitely going to be an interaction where you would have had to play someone who had a romantic interest in me and who I had a romantic interest in. How would you have planned to do that? I'm not sure because we didn't get anywhere near that part of the story before the whole thing collapsed. All right, quick. We're there. True. Go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is one of those things that my normal improvisational self would have to do advanced prep for. There's your answer. Exactly. And, and Okay, here. I'll pick it up for you. Brandon. All right. She asked you to take a walk with her. Okay, all right. So well, hold up. You're kind of both walking in silence. How do you break that silence? That's where I would start it off. How do you get a conversation going? Because, first of all, that puts the spotlight back on the player instead of the GM character, which I think is mm -hmm. important. And second, it lets the player sort of define some of those terms and sort of lay some groundwork. And then I can respond to that, but I kind of want the player to have an active role in that. This actually comes back to a bit of gaming advice that I picked up from playing Monster Hearts. One of the core tenets in there as the person who's sort of controlling the game, is you are supposed to disclaim decision-making. Someone asks you a question, turn to that player or another player and ask them for an answer. I like that. That keeps even people who aren't involved in the scene involved in the scene. Okay. Getting other people engaged is a really key point in romance, because romance is probably 
between one person and another person unless you're doing like a love triangle thing or something and that gets complicated and weird and not in romance and in more drama. Yeah, I would say so. Is there any other reasons that you could see for why people are iffy about including this in games other than it not being comfortable? There's the two parts of it's not comfortable. There's the visceral, Mm -hmm. I'm having to talk about romance at all with the bearded dude drinking Mountain Dew and eating Cheetos at the other end of the table. Yeah. I'm making eyes at Bob, and Bob is a man. And in some ways, for me, it's weirder if it's not a guy who my character and the other person's character are having that relationship with, because then it's like, well, okay, you know, what is it? And that's a personal hang-up. It's interesting, that campaign that I've referenced a few times with the Lord Soth character. Yes. There was a female player character in there who was played by the GM's girlfriend at the time. And she and I, in the game, were very good friends. They respected each other a lot, but it was just never going to go anywhere beyond that. Kind of like Mal and Zoe in Firefly, actually. Gotcha. Had each other's back, lots of respect, but nothing beyond that. Right, because it would have been awkward. Extremely. Yeah. Whereas the other thing that makes romance so uncomfortable is you can't hide it behind the dice. It's very much something that has to involve the player and the player's emotions. If it's done in any way that is actually romance and love as opposed to something that's a twisted version of that. I will completely agree you can't hide it behind the dice, but I have another place to hide it that I'll get to later. I think the fact that you have to sort of play out those emotions and bring up those emotions at all is awkward for some people, especially people who hide a lot of other things behind the dice. Oh, yes. I fast talk the guard. I've got a 44 on my fast talk check because I've optimized my rogue for fast talking. I get through the gates. What do you say to him? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I tell him I got a 44, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, my dice exploded three times. Let me through the stinking gates. Yeah. I tell him I got a 44 and I go, whoa, put that piece back in its holster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No need for violence here, man. (laughs) That's an important part of it. Keep it to PG. (laughs) I agree with Peter on this. I think if you're going to do romance in a game, the default level for that should probably be PG. Probably at best. If you work it out ahead of time where for some reason it's important that it be PG-13 or more mature than that, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to run your game necessarily. Who am I kidding? I'm doing an RPG podcast. Of course I'm telling you how to run your game. (laughs) I'm going to sit here and tell you how to run your game. Keep it PG. There's no reason it needs to go further than that. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say if you've got good reasons for that and you're going to do it in a mature way, and I don't mean rated M for mature, I mean you're a grown person and understand what you're doing kind of way. All right. And it doesn't violate anybody's lines and veils. Yeah, I would say, especially if you know ahead of time that you want to have romance as something in your character, work out those lines and veils ahead of time. And work them out pretty carefully, because this is one of those areas where you can have a lot of discomfort, you can have a lot of hurt feelings, and this is the sort of thing that can... If people have some bad stuff in their past, lousy relationships or whatever, yeah. it can be triggering and you really want to avoid that. And, and you don't know it and they won't necessarily know it. I've hit those before doing things with Chrissy when it was completely unrelated, just trying to do this. And she would just sort of shut down. I was like, oh, what? Oh, huh. And, you know, we had we talked about it later and we worked things out all well and good. But I had no idea that it was a problem. And I don't think she knew it was a problem until it cropped up. That's It happens. Going back to the whole thing about keep it PG, I completely agree. If there is going to be anything that is higher than PG-13, it needs to be 
in some sort of private or only hinted at area. Like, the two of them make eyes at each other and then go up to a bedroom, and we cut there. Yeah, we're not going to be writing out everything that's going on, all right? Yeah, the, the husband and wife, they go upstairs, and they go to sleep in the same room, and there's only one bed in that room. Well, you know what might be happening. Yeah, this is suddenly a 50s sitcom, and there's two separate it's, yeah, beds. It's, it's, two separate rooms, and two separate houses, yeah. and two separate zip codes. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a 50s sitcom. That is something that most people, I feel, would be acceptable with. If people aren't acceptable with, then, you know, you have to ask them if they're really acceptable with any romance in the game. Well, and I mean, what because... we just described there is the difference between a line and a veil. Yeah. yeah. If it's a line, you can't have it at all. If it's a veil, it fades to black and you know that something happened, but by keeping it PG, I meant basically keep it to the veil yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. And more generally... And keep it less explicit than most video games where it goes to black and there's moaning and then Comes, but no, you don't need that. I would say even less than that, yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think it comes down to respect. Mm-hmm. Be respectful of the other players there. Be respectful of the impact that these relationships have in, in real people's lives, too. I would also say be respectful of the fact that kind of by nature of that relationship, especially if it's with one player character and another player character, that can tend to hog the spotlight that we're so fond of talking about. Oh, yeah. Be respectful of that. Don't have a whole session that's all about you and nobody else gets to participate in the game because you two are acting out every little lovey-dovey thing that you're doing. It's bad player habits, honestly. Don't do that. I do want to hit one more thing on this just for perspective before we move on. And in terms of hogging the spotlight... Just think about if you've actually been in a romantic relationship, especially at the beginning stage of it, how much that hogs the spotlight of your own mind. Yes. And just keep that in mind as you are playing. Yeah. If you've ever wanted to punch a couple that's madly in love because they just met, don't be that couple. Just don't. My next point actually directly goes into don't hog the spotlight. Downplay the romantic relationships interactions. Grant said you can't hide it behind dice. No, you can't hide it behind dice, but you can't hide it in notes. Second role-playing game I was ever in, the one that had a relationship in it, resulted in that character getting married and having a family. And anything that happened that was between me and the NPC that my character sort of fell in love with was sort of written back and forth between me and the GM on a notepad. And I think I still have that notepad somewhere because it's filed in with all the other papers from things that I wrote back in that day. I'm fairly certain I saw it like a couple years ago (laughs) and then just threw it into the the pile. The second great romance I had where I was playing a 4E game and I decided I was falling in love with this female NPC that we had just met. And you had to have something to do during combat, so... (laughs) And she was the captain of the guard and so my character started doing things slightly to woo her, but I was doing them in secret wrote little notes down on pieces of paper and I slid it to the DM and saying I was doing things like, I picked a flower and I hid it on the desk. I got a piece of paper and I learned paper craft and I folded it into another flower and I hid that on her desk also. When we finally sailed away and she left one of her guards with us to help us in the endeavor we were going, I started talking to that guard, seeing how well she knew her. And we were sort of doing that passing back and forth in little, in little notes. And half of this got going because other party was distracted by television because we were playing in college and in like this room with other people in it. But when they finally turned back and started noticing that I was doing secret things with the DM, they got really, really interested in what was going on because why is Brandon passing, passing notes to the DM? 
what's going on. And all I was telling them things was like, well, I'm going into this room that has this guard's lady in it. And it was the room that we were keeping three prisoners in. And so instantly they became embroiled in this, like, what's going on? He's sneaking around. He's, he's doing something. And something that would have been really mundane, really boring that no one actually cared about, involved them now and ma- made them curious because they wanted to know what was going on. Well, I will buy the idea that you can kind of hide it behind notes. I'm not as comfortable with that because I want it to be... It's a even more intense form of spotlight hogging if it's not handled quickly and yeah deftly oh, yeah. by both parties involved that's kind of what it comes down to is wait why are you monopolizing the gm's attention and not telling us what's going on true it can become that if it's not handled properly if it's not handled right yeah. Yeah. if it's handled well and it's just a, a especially sidebar. if your gm can roll quickly with it i would even say you know in the age of email do that stuff outside of your regular sessions lay the groundwork for it, do some of that. Well, most of it was happening because the other party were just be discussing something else I was not involved in, and I was doing... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's... Yeah, no, your, your specific example, it works really well, but the situation at the typical gaming table is not always going to be so idealized. Yeah. Oh, true, and that goes back to be respectful. Exactly. Yeah. If you're constantly, like, sending notes to the GM and expecting, like, responses in, like, less than a minute for each one while they're trying to, like, RP with someone else. If I was the GM, I'd just get the note, and I'd be like, okay, and I'd set it right down, and I wouldn't read it. Because <laughs> if I don't read that note, and I'm busy RP with someone, then when I finally look at it, and I, I respond, and I slide it back to the guy when I have a free moment, that can lessen this guy actually stealing the spotlight, because you're refusing to acknowledge the little spotlight thing. Right. Asking. Yeah, there you go. The next one is something we've already kind of covered. Try to make sure everyone involved is comfortable. And their significant others are comfortable with the romance. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons that it gets awkward is the person that you're playing this out with could have a significant other who either they feel uncomfortable with the roleplay or the significant other gets jealous, which I have seen happen. Yeah, or the the GM or the person you're interacting with is like, no, you know, I really can't do that because I'm in this relationship. They can't draw that line. And if everybody involved can't clearly delineate where their character stops and where they begin, then it may very well get awkward. And so make sure everybody's comfortable with it. Well, and this is one of the reasons why I generally tend to not engage in anything like this, is it's just I do tend to play in pretty close to my character. I'm probably about two-thirds to three-quarters inside that player character when I'm role-playing, whereas somebody who's only 15, 20% in eh, might be easier for them. Right, whereas like Masaki, my Hida Bushi character that I've made, he's a big, kind of dumbish guy with a big club. He's not particularly like me. You know, no, you, I haven't seen you smash nearly that many things. Well, that's because you haven't seen me get angry, but by and large, he's not very like I haven't heard of you smashing nearly that many things. Oh, yeah, all right, fair enough. I don't think anybody in the real world has ever smashed that many things. But anyway, I would like to go off something that Peter, you were saying about being into your character. And I sort of want to delineate a point here because for me, I get very into my characters, but I also do have a sort of cognitive wall separate. Just because I'm flirting with someone does not mean that I'm actually flirting with that player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can be very engaged in role playing, Mm -hmm. but the character you are role playing is not you yes yeah i think that's what you're saying yeah and i i get that but but yeah I mean, for you uh, peter it's it's often okay, not the case let, let's let's just let's stop pretending otherwise i'm a huge stick in the mud so let's <laughs> let's just acknowledge that and move on okay 
<laughs> Success! Done, sir. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I make no pretense to the contrary. It's just a thing. Let's go on. That's actually why I enjoy tweaking you so much in the Savage Run game. That's why everybody in my life enjoys tweaking me so much. Well, that's why the last time, you know, when you met your last Johnson, you all went to the club <laughs> district. And people right. walking around clothed head to toe in plaid, in plaid painted latex, were wandering <laughs> by him. That sounds awesome. It was hilarious. Anyway. Yeah, it, it was hilarious in the most awkward of ways. It, it was. I'm going to go to one of the Monster Hearts games that I'm running. There is a relationship that's going on in there with someone who is in an actual relationship. And the thing is, their significant other, as far as I have heard, knows about the relationship, loves hearing about what happened in the relationship that they're in. Now, of course, if the significant other was a little upset about that, then it might be something like, hey, Brandon, we need to end this or downplay this a lot. And it might hurt the story a little bit because the relationship that they're doing is fantastic. Of course, this session I've had to become really evil and vow to try to destroy it. I don't want it to destroy. I want it to last through it. But You want to stress it. Oh, yeah. I wanted to test it to see how far it will go until it breaks. And hopefully it comes back. And it looks like it's, it's going to come back. Well, there you go. There. They're really doing good. And and that actually comes into the next point that I had here is try to make it fun in a responsible, mature way. Something that is enjoyable will make everyone else comfortable. The fact that these two characters in my uh, role-playing game are having such a good relationship is because everyone's invested. It is the, baw, cute couple. These two people are doing an amazing job, and half of it is because one of the players does some really great side RP and has actually written things on the side because uh, this person is like a stitched together person. I made up of so many different people. Is there even room for one more? This little tiny like emo poetry things that this person is writing that just makes everyone just gush. That's hilarious. And just so invested in this relationship. I know it is. <laughs> and, and that's why I wanted to call it out because it's, it's awesome. And th- the other person in the relationship is doing a fantastic job. Oh, I'm having flashbacks to high school right now. <laughs> Well, it's a high school game. So. I know, that's why. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> Because everyone has become invested in it, it's not creepy when, like, those two talk or have some sort of relationship moment and everyone's there, like, their hands on their chin, just, like, resting. They're going, what are they doing next? Because yeah. it's it's so fun to watch these two people because they're, they're putting a lot into yeah. it and they're investing and they're comfortable doing it. And so it's adding a whole lot more that everyone is enjoying it. And I'm enjoying ripping it apart slowly. Yeah. One of the things about fun for me, I think it's important Mm -hmm. that the relationship include fun because genuine loves and romances in my experience, those people are having fun all the time. Chrissy and I have an enormous battery of in-jokes to the point where we have forgotten some of them and bring them up years later. It's like, oh, remember this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nikki and I do, too. In fact, actually, I've mentioned on more than one occasion that the vast library of inside jokes was one of the benefits of marriage that nobody ever told me about, and I was delighted to discover when it yeah, happened. exactly. Exactly. If I can make Chrissy laugh, then everything is good and she has cracked me up to the point where i have been unable to breathe before and that's one of the things that really ties things together and humor is part of it but it's also just there's a certain element of joy involved real honest joy and yeah when the romance that you're creating includes that first of all it feels real right there's a real verisimilitude to it but it also is not necessarily exclusive of other players enjoyment 
It's something that they can vicariously enjoy because these two characters are themselves enjoying it as opposed to, yes, I am in love with you. Good. I am in love with you, too. Hooray. It's not a robotic... It's not robotic, and it's not purely chemical. I almost fell asleep there for a second. See? This is how my brain works, because he was bringing up the robotic voice. My my mind instantly went to, what would Warforged do in love? And then I'm like, they wouldn't. And they just ended. See? There you go. So, make it fun. It includes the other players. It makes that spotlight time more enjoyable for everybody, because everybody loves jokes and laughter and delight. And it's more real. I wanted to mention Frozen... It's one of the things that I really liked about the movie, and I'm trying to figure out how to say this without spoiling it. Yeah, please don't spoil it. I hear it's good and I want to see it. One of the things that really becomes evident in that movie is that relationships take work, but How also... about we discuss a different movie that did it a little better in my mind, also by Disney, mm-hmm. Enchanted. The entire point of that movie is the point you're getting at. Yeah. Love is not some fairy tale. The princess and enchanted and I'm, she starts off singing a song about how glorious it'll be the day she finds her prince right he'll come and he'll rescue her and, and just all these tropes and cliches and then she goes to the real world and her main love interest response is that's not how love works yeah and she sort of realizes that and he's about to get married to someone else who sort of wants other things and that movie i think illustrates the point you're trying to make more than what happens in Frozen. Yeah, because Frozen does a lot of other things with it. I'm trying my best not to spoil it here. Weirdly enough, I'm going to mention an Adam Sandler movie, Fifty First Dates, which is perhaps the only romantic comedy I've ever enjoyed. Chrissy made me watch it, and it was actually genuinely good. So guys, if you absolutely have to watch a romantic comedy, I would say do this one. You'll get points, and you won't fall asleep. But the reason I wanted to mention Fifty First Dates is that it is all about the work that's involved in a relationship, you know, making it work over the long term despite serious problems. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's a really funny relationship, and the movie is really good at illustrating that. So, you know, I, I think that's important. He starts out sort of being not the best relationships. It's almost like he's he's trying to do 50 one-night stands, or like at, at the beginning we're... we're but well, that's, I don't know what I'm trying to say. So. That Well, no, I, I, you're kind of driving towards. That's kind of what you think could be happening. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, like what her dad thinks is happening. Yes. But at the same time, you can. what's really clear is that he's not. He's really trying to make this work. Yeah. The movie's old enough. I don't mind spoiling it a little bit. It's not like it's a really hidden plot point. Mm-hmm. The girl that he's trying to date has amnesia where basically she goes to sleep at night and doesn't remember the day she wakes up every morning thinking it's the day after her accident Mm -hmm. or the day before her accident because she can't remember anything from after that so she resets every night and so he's on 51st dates because every day is her first date with him how does he deal with it and how does the family help deal with it and all that sort of thing it's actually a really touching movie but it's also really funny adam sandler is actually funny without being immature which is impressive you know that one actually really worked for Well, if we're going to speak about movie romances, I have to say my favorite romance I've ever seen in any movie done, or at least the one that sticks out the most in my mind, is Summer Wars. Mm -hmm. It's an anime. If you haven't seen it, it, go see it. 
It, it is spectacular. It is awesome. I don't like anime. I completely endorse this. Yeah. That is how much I like it. That's fair. Yeah, the main premise of the story starts out in the very most cliched romantic comedy start ever, where it's basically a girl comes in and hires a guy to be her fiance hmm. and to, to convince her family about this thing. And you think that, oh, oh so it's going to be a thing where uh, eventually he's going to go through all of this stuff. And then eventually in the third, right near the third act, it's going to be found out and he's going to have to, you know, try to make it all up. No, they, they get rid of that story right away. They work it off in the first act. Right. The, the liar reveal is done in the first act. It's over and they get onto a much better story after there. And what I have to say is the relationship that developed between the two of them throughout the course of the movie was a subtle thing and a very emotional thing because of the things that they went through. And and I liked where it ended because a lot of people, they end with, and it lived happily ever after, which is not how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the, the things I like about relationships in stories. I like it when it's not cliche. I like when it takes work and that, that may have been evident from everything I've been describing. I think that works well for games because it provides a constant source of action, if not necessarily drama. It forces the character to be proactive in maintaining the relationship and carrying it forward and doing things with it, which I think is good for any character. I like characters with momentum. All right, so Peter, yeah. what are some of your favorite romances that you've seen? Cause well... I'm hard-pressed to come up with any in movies that really stick out, other than perhaps The Princess Bride. What makes Wesley and Buttercup romance in Princess Bride work is the lengths that a couple of them go through to get their love back and, and the sort of things well, that they have to do. It's a very tropey sort of thing, turned on his head in some ways. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, it's a tongue-in-cheek adaptation of those same tropes without really subverting them. The tropes still play out the way they're supposed to, but it's kind of self-aware in some ways. In some ways? Well, in some ways. <laughs> in some ways it is. The Princess Bride is like self-aware tropes, the I story. meant from the character's perspective, not from the meta. Oh, from oh the meta okay. I was going to say from a narrative perspective, it's just like, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more self-aware piece yeah, of fiction exactly. than the Princess Bride. I really liked the one between Vin and Ellen in the Mistborn series, though. That felt very genuine. Yes. I thought that was really well executed. Their romance is awesome and it has a couple of different falls and what's great is that you can see it builds in three entire books and then the different challenges they go through in the different stages of the relationship yeah but that's by no means the only good romance in that says it has a pretty decent romance that deals with a couple other issues in it and there are some other sanderson books that have some really awesome romances that i would say i enjoy more than ellen and vin but some of them spoil the books entirely. Yeah, and well, let's, let's not get into those. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to touch them. And I don't want to just kind of name drop characters without too much explanation, but those are good ones. And anybody who's read those, I think, will go, oh, yeah. Yeah, of all the things to avoid spoiling, the Mistborn trilogy is way up there. Oh, yes. Oh, oh any of Sanderson's books. Yeah. Like, there's a couple really awesome twists in... Uh, Everything that Sanderson writes? Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> also, the uh, married couple in Greg Hurwitz's Tim Rackley novels, Tim and his wife Dre, was a very kind of cool and real-seeming marriage. They went through some very difficult stuff in the first part of it, and he kind of portrayed that realistically and how they patched things up and how things were better later on, and I, I thought that was very well handled. 
How about you guys? It may sound weird to anybody who's read it because David Eddings is renowned for writing very trope-heavy fantasy. But the relationship between Garion and Sinedra in the Mallorian series that he wrote, I think works very well. And I really like that because the Belgariad, which is the first five books in this series, is this very kind of typical heroic journey where he does, you know, he becomes the hero, reluctant hero who doesn't know his origins, ends up powerful person, gets the girl almost without either of them really wanting it. It's just that's how it goes. It's described as his reward for being a hero. And then, you know, that's kind of where it ends. And, you know, by the end of it, she realizes, oh, she does love him kind of despite herself. Very trope heavy. In the Mallorian, kind of the second half of this big story, it's all right. So you two are king and queen and you've been through this enormous epic journey together. Now what? How do you maintain a relationship despite some trauma and major issues and the fact that you're journeying together on another epic quest? And there are times when it's very clear that their relationship simply isn't working, and there are times when it's like, okay, we're over that. Oh, man, glad we got that sorted out. It's trope-heavy, but it's a very real sort of relationship in there, despite that. And I really like that because it breaks up some of the traditional fantasy story. Well, and trope-heavy doesn't always necessarily mean rings false yes. either. I mean, yeah, it rings very true. It's funny. Eddings is a very funny author in a lot of ways, and he puts a lot of relationship humor in there. To throw a little comment in there that is said by a couple people that I know, tropes are tropes for a reason. Yeah, very true. There's a reason that they exist. So just because something... It's like, oh, that always happens. It doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah, I mean, for crying out loud, my real life is trope heavy. <laughs> yes. Anyway, but I think the only other one that I had written down here is the sort of relationship between Karen Murphy and Harry Dresden in the Dresden Files. Yeah. And it's not officially a romance, but it has leanings towards that way, which is something that I really like. Because you've seen this character and this other one develop over a course of a couple books, and it's a very decent romance. I'm actually thinking right now of just another TV romance that I really liked uh, that sort of goes on the sort of kind of opposites complementing each other is from Friends. They had an example of a really, really horrible relationship, which is Ross and Rachel. And even the show started realizing how horrible it was, and that became sort of the punchline. But in the midst of it, you had Chandler and Monica, who sort of came together and, in my mind, developed this sort of weird attraction that they just sort of spiraled into each other. And if if you listen to interviews about the show writers, which I have because my family really, really likes Friends, they say that they never planned to get Chandler and Monica together. It's just as they started writing, these two characters just sort of continually started revolving around each other. And it just made sense that they would come together. Well, there you go. Which is a, one other final point I would do for managing romance in your games is if you can let it happen organically don't try to say well i'm the pc and i'm going to force your pc to love me. right if you come into it ahead of time and say i would like to create a character who has this relationship or explore this theme you can set things up for that or you can say yeah my character's got oh, yes. a husband at home something like that whatever you want but yeah you can't just unilaterally decide you your character uh we're in a relationship now because that's not healthy, and all the things we've talked about before, respect and comfort levels and all that, that violates all of them. Like, I've only ever seen that happen in Monster Hearts, 
the mortal skin, one of its main mechanics in there is that it has a true love. And that person gets to pick whatever it was. But the whole point about that is it's not a healthy relationship. Right. It even says so in the mechanics. Like, the person gets bonus points for whenever they forgive their love for mistreating them. Because they're, it's, it's to incentivize the love for being mistreated to show that this person is way in over their head and they shouldn't be here and they're just causing problems. Yeah. And, like, that's what it's there for. Yeah. I've only seen that happen when it was something where the GM was trying to make something happen or was making a joke about something and it was always just awkward. Or the GM was just an immature brat. Which happens sometimes, unfortunately. It does happen. And, you know, if you're playing with people who you know aren't mature enough to handle this sort of thing, this may not be the game for it, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, You know, try and help them grow up so that you can do that. But it'd be better to not make people uncomfortable and awkward. You don't want the guys from 8-Bit Theater doing romance. No. Because... Then you're going to have like, well, if there's any girls there, I want to do them. Like, no, no, it's not romance. No. That's the exact opposite of what you want. Slow and steady wins the race <laughs> when you're trying to do a good romance. Yes. Yeah, it, that's really what it is. And it takes work, and it's not all about biology, yes. to put it as PC as possible. <laughs> well Thank done, you. Sir. Yeah. All right, this is something that was not put in here by me, but it's something that I think needs to be said. Basically, there's definitely some value in avoiding this topic altogether. I know you've just sat through about an hour of content of us saying how to do this right. This is not to say that every game you roleplay should have a romance in it. I fully believe that it should be a main part of any story and you should try to work it in somewhere in the background. But if you just can't do it, fine. Just You don't have to do it. If it's going to make everyone uncomfortable or it's going to make you uncomfortable, you could just take your hands off it. Yeah. Well, and I think there are some where I don't know that it would add any value to our Savage Run or our L5R games if there was in there. Um, I will disagree with you on the Savage Run. Thing yeah. Because that's something that Chrissy has been wondering whether she wants to bring into the game. Oh, because okay. it's something that could add to her character. She's a young kid who's in over her head still doing this shadow running thing hey, I'm a innocent little suburban kid, essentially, and all of a sudden, I'm trying to be a career criminal. Well, what's one more bad decision? But more than that, it's she's been wondering whether she wants that or not. And I could see it working. She's got an NPC, one of her background contacts, who might be the romantic interest, but maybe not. She's not sure. But I don't have a problem with it. With with that particular setup, now I'm just picturing, like, Frost and Crash running security on their first date or something. (laughs) And that's one of the reasons it would be hilarious. No, traffic is going to make them late to their movie. We've got to reproduce these stoplights. Okay, tell me, making a first date work wouldn't be an awesome run for you guys. That would. That that would be an awesome run. See? It actually probably would be, especially if she had no idea it was going on. Right, and so if you have that sort of innocent thing going on, it'd be hilarious. And if there's any characters that would do that, it would be Frost and Exactly. And this reminds me of two other romances from movies, which is things I haven't mentioned, is The Incredibles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I love that at the end where she's all angry at him. He's like, you're trying to start a fight, but I'm just really glad you're alive. <laughs> you're alive, yes. <laughs> that is a great one. Like, I can't believe I forgot that in the yeah, wake of... And, and, you know, there's that heartbreaking bit at the end where it's like, I don't want to lose you guys again. I already lost you once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really good movie for that. And the second one that just got brought up to my mind, mind with this was the little clip from Wreck-It Ralph. It's like, the only day she didn't do a perimeter check once was on her wedding day. And, like, of course, that's supposed to be over the top and because right. they say that she's been programmed with the most melodramatic backstory right. ever. That's that's the joke, is that it's it's over the top and, and out there. She pulls a minigun underneath her wedding dress and starts shooting the thing. I mean I also disagree that in certain games it can't add anything because I think a well done romance will always add something, just like a well done anything. Okay, let me let me amend what I was going to say then. Okay. Or what I did say, I should say. I don't think interplayer character romance would add anything to that game. Okay. I, in fact, I think it would detract mightily. It would, given the characters that have been created, yeah. Where we went with with it with the kind of goofy comedy angle, which we've done enough of in that game. That's where... all that game is. Let's be serious. Y- yeah, you know what? Yes, that's what that game is. That's what that exa- game exists to do. It does it extremely well, and I shouldn't even be slightly like evasive about that. No, it's a funny game. Oh, yeah. It's a hilarious game. And and what I'll add in is, I'm, I'm not with this game, but like if you guys had two more players and they came in and they were in a relationship, then it would add. But you're perfectly, I'm sure you're perfectly right that with your current set of characters, you can't see any of them getting into a relationship yeah. with each other because they just don't work. Like, you, you don't want to force it. It wouldn't be a romance. It'd be something else weird. It would be forced. And yeah, it, that wouldn't add. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It'd be a square peg in a round hole, yeah. and you don't want that in a romance. Like, it's the last key is, is make sure, again, like I said, happens organically and that it fits and that it, on some level it makes sense, or you're playing up the idea that this totally doesn't make sense, but it's either not working or you're making it work. Yeah, or there's some reason they're together that you don't know about yet. Yeah. Political marriage or something like that. Or... It's a deep cover operation, whatever. Just reading one more thing on the notes. I want to throw it in here. I'm sorry. We did mention Nate and Sabine and making sure that you're not doing something that is just horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. And that is another cautionary tale. That- oh, uh, Nail and Sabine from um, Order of the Stick? Yeah. yeah. That's a healthy relationship, but it's still disturbing. And I think that's about all we need to say about that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so thanks for listening, folks. Appreciate your time. And if you have anything to add, of course, go ahead and post some comments, either on the episode itself or in our Saving the Game community. Guys, anything else you want to add? I think I'm actually done. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I am too. Have a good night, folks. Yeah, good night, folks. Oh, and remember on alternate Tuesdays, at least for a little bit, I'm going to be posting on all of our social media links to older episodes that we're adding to our feed on our website so keep an eye out for those if you're missing any of those from all us here at saving the game have a good one later everybody later see ya this podcast episode is a production of saving the game and may be redistributed under a creative commons non-commercial non-derivative license so long as appropriate credit is given our music is by ryan humphrey saving the game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com rpgpodcasts.com stitcher.com and itunes To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.